Need to get your football fix on all things Army, Navy, and Air Force? This is Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football. Now, here are your hosts, Price Atkinson, Steve Carney, and Mike Lovell. Yards and Stripes, your home for Service Academy Football, episode 11. Joined by my man, Mike Lovell, tonight. Steve Carney is out and about, Mike. Where beeth Steve tonight? I believe he's in Tampa. I believe he's working a uh, you know his day job, uh, r- r- recording some things for USF. A busy day up on the north side of Tampa in their athletic department. I, I think uh, Jeff Scott was let go today. I think something we all expected, um, but uh, you never know when the axe is going to fall. But they so the, the service academy tie in there is they lost bad to Temple this week, yeah. uh, which, of course, played Navy last week and it did not look very good against Navy. So anytime you lose like that to a Temple team that's not playing very well, that usually is uh, that usually signals the end of that tenure at a school that should have success in the G5 at USF. You know, great city, beautiful place, good weather, yep. nice campus. You know, you would think you could find somebody to be successful at USF. So, yeah, he's up at USF uh, doing his, his day job at night, which is when he when he normally has to do his day job anyway. I used We had an intern one time at one of my old jobs. It was in the congressional office, and I had uh, we had an intern when – Somebody was gone. They used to tell uh, people that were calling that so-and-so was indisposed. I finally had to call them into my office one time and be like, dude, you don't say that they're indisposed. Just say they're unavailable. It was like a young kid. I'm not going to say Steve is indisposed tonight. That would be way too too rude of us. Well, we're missing Steve uh, tonight. I wish you were with us, but I'm sure he will be back with us next week as he's got a a busy week, Michael. Well, it's a busy week for all sports fans. Major League Baseball just ended up, NHL's in gear, NFL's in gear, college is in gear, college football's in gear, college basketball starts tonight. Uh, so, yeah, it's a uh, it's it's a uh, when the when the four major sports uh, leagues are playing, it's called the sports equinox. But we're uh, we're in a uh, that that brief window of period when you got almost everything going right now. The World Cup's coming up here shortly. It could not be for somebody like you, me, Steve, that just lives and breathes competition. I mean, it is the, it is a beautiful time of year. Not the, not the 80 degrees that we had here. I'm sure down in Florida is probably 90 today, but my goodness, it is a beautiful, beautiful time of year right now on the sports it is, calendar. It is the most wonderful time of year for sure. And if you are an Air Force Falcon fan, which I know, Michael, as a West Point grad, you are uh, uh, hurting today. But I've got to just say, uh, out of the gate, we're going to get into the game. We're going to recap. But congratulations to Air Force, winners of the 2022 Commander-in-Chief Trophy. You were there on Saturday uh, in Arlington for the Army Air Force game, that second leg of the CIC Trophy. We're going to get into that here in just a second. Talk about what you saw, your experience, the game, and everything. But congratulations to Air Force winners of that 2022 or 2022 Commander in Chief Trophy. The first time they have outright secured it since 2016. But Mike, before we dive in to everything in the meat of this episode, tell our friends about our supporters and folks at Ticket Smarter. Absolutely, Price. College football fans, we know that you're looking for the best seats to the best games at the most competitive prices. We want to make sure you take advantage of Ticket Smarter and their mobile app. We know that buying college football tickets online requires trust. Ticket Smarter has partnered with more than 100 universities and 24 conferences as their official ticket resale marketplace and with ESPN Events as their official ticket resale partner. And with the best selection of NCAA football tickets, Ticket Smarter makes sure fans from all over the country experience the power and excitement of college football live and in person. Purchase your tickets quickly, securely, and at the best prices on the secondary market with the Ticket Smarter mobile app or at TicketSmarter.com. And we've got an additional offer for those listening to all of our podcasts on the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. Take 5% off of your purchase of $100 or more with our promo code GRIDIRON22. That's GRIDIRON22 for 5% off your order of $100 or more. And that code isn't just for a one-time use. You can use that code as many times as you want this season for the best selection of college football seats to the biggest games. Check out the selections and the pricing now with the Ticket Smarter app 
or at TicketSmarter.com. And remember to use our code GRIDIRON22. Think smarter, use Ticket Smarter. Thank you, Mike. And as Mike just said and told you, and we've told you all season long, we are part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network, where you can find yards and stripes and an array of episodes for whatever it is that you enjoy when it comes to college football. We have got you covered all kinds of different teams, conferences. We have got it at the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. Go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts. You can listen to Yards and Stripes, the soothing tones of Mike Lovell, Steve Carney, and myself every single week, and also just an abundance of content that we've got for you all through the rest of this college football season. All right, Mike, let's get to the games from this weekend. Let's start off with the game, your game, the one you were at, obviously down in Arlington, Texas, the Lockheed Martin Commanders Classic Air Force and Army. As I mentioned at the outset, Air Force, the outright winner of the Commander-in-Chief Trophy. Air Force gets a 13-7 win over the Army Black Knights. They dominate the second half en route to capturing that CIC trophy. They're 21st all-time. You know, Mike, after second half, it was all about the second half, as I mentioned. They pitch a shutout. Go to the half at seven to three. It felt a little bit like last year's game, except boy, these teams came out. I thought looking like almost like Big Twelve uh, offenses, the way they were trying to throw the ball and you know trying to do things a little bit different, you know, in the first half. But you know, Army gets that uh, seven to three lead at halftime, and it was the Air Force Falcons, and then some offensively, uh, and especially on the defensive side of the football uh, in that second half, where they give up. Uh, what, just 70, 78 yards total rushing in the football game. That's getting it done is the Black Knights, they get the, or they take the loss and the Falcons get out of there and get back to Colorado Springs with the win. What did you see, Mike? Yeah, Air Force came out. They looked uh, a little bit slow uh, in the first half. You know, we mm-hmm. talked last week about motivation. You know, are, are they still in it? because of their disappointing season so far. They came out in the second half and looked really good. Uh, uh, Troy Calhoun must have flipped a switch in there during the half. The, the numbers <clears> for <throat> Army are staggeringly bad. Eight mm-hmm. first downs in the game, 78 total rushing yards. That's one drive for Army if they're playing uh, you know, another opponent. You know, If they're playing one of their FCS opponents or, or ULM, eight first downs and 78 rushing yards is one drive, and that's what they had for the whole game. Yeah. What really caught my eye for Army – 72% of the plays went through Jamel Jones, either passing or running. He had 35 carries and 14 pass attempts. Uh, I'm sorry, 21 carries, 14 pass attempts, 35 total plays. Only 14 other plays went through other people. 70, 60% of the rushes, 72% of all the plays went through Jamel Jones. Jamel's, Jamel Jones is a really good quarterback, but there was no diversification. Air Force knew yeah. what was coming. Every single play, I uh, there there were only uh, John Marshall had I think uh, one rush. Uh, Army went to the outside, uh, yeah, one rush. Only went to the outside one time. Oh, the, yeah. the other uh, the other thirteen rushes were either Tyre Tyler, Tyson Riley, or Jacoby Buchanan, all up the middle. Uh, and so there was a lot of consternation with the play calling. It was just Jamel Jamel Jones to the left, Jamel Jones to the right. Jamel Jones pass, Jacoby in the middle, Tyson Riley up the middle, Jamel Jones up the middle, Jamel to the left. There, there just wasn't a lot of uh, creativity. And then when Army had to pass the ball, they kept Jamel Jones in, and they did not have an effective passing attack. Air Force uh, got to their game in the second half. The defense was outstanding. Uh, you know, we already talked about the numbers, but they they kept they kept feeding Brad Roberts the ball. He kept bruising the Army defense. Hazik Daniels didn't have huge stat lines: six for 13, 98 yard. <clears throat> Uh, interception in the first half. We kind of talked about them sleepwalking through the first half. 14 carries, 89 yards, but he was clutch. He made the plays when they needed to make plays. Mm-hmm. He had key, he had a couple key uh, completions, and they had a couple key third down conversions on the ground. Zeke Daniels is really what kind of got Air Force past that slump into the winning column. Yeah, you know, I was a little surprised. I thought Jamel Jones would be the guy under center, uh, you know, that would be the one that would you know, at least start the football game. Yeah, I know in the triple option, you got to take what they give you. But, I mean, to see the fullbacks, even, you know, you mentioned, you know, like the B-backs, 
to see the fullbacks only carry the ball 10 times for 29 yards. I mean, 10 carries alone with those bruisers that Army's got. I mean, just kind of surprising that, you know, there wasn't a little bit more diversification in trying to get the ball, spread the ball around. But when you, when you talk about the Air Force offense, boy, you know, Brad Roberts led the way, 33 carries, 135 really hard-nosed yards. I mean, those that was some tough yards that you know to come by every single time. But I thought you you nailed it. Hazik Daniels just kind of made the big plays when he needed to, whether it was maybe getting outside with his legs on a scramble when he was trying to throw the ball, maybe it was on a triple a, a triple option keeper where he kept the ball and took it outside, but it was throwing the ball too. I mean, he was six of thirteen. But David Cormier caught four of those six passes, and you know that Cormier was targeted more than six times. He had a couple. I know one that I thought he should have come down with that he didn't. It was deep in Army territory. I'm shocked that he didn't catch the football, uh, but he still had a career-high four catches, 89 yards, and they were four big catches at times when Air Force really needed to uh, to move those sticks. And a lot of, like you said, those uh, Hazik Daniels was at was pulling the strings of those big moments on offense when Air Force needed those key plays. Yeah, it could have certainly been worse for Army. Air Force had a missed field goal. They had the interception to stall a drive in the first half. Um, like you said, they had a couple of drops uh, that, that would have helped out Hazik Daniels' um, stat line. Uh, Jeff Munkin in the presser, uh, he used the, in the post game press conference used the term disappointed multiple times. A lot of disappointment coming out of that Army locker room. Thirteen uh, seven, and the game wasn't even really that close. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Air Force left several points on, out on the field there, but uh, really, really for the Army Black Knights, it was, a, it was a disappointing Saturday. Air Force really controlled the tempo of that game. They controlled the the, the feeling of that game. They controlled pretty much everything about the game. Army's defense played pretty well. If you hold Air Force to 13 and, and call some of those self-inflicted wounds, that's fine. But the offense, just very disappointing. Could not get anything going. Yeah, late in the football game, too, I mean, Andre Carter, number 34, he rises to the occasion. You remember they're late on that. I think it was – was it their last drive that Air Force had it and, and Army's trying to get the stop to give the offense one more chance? And boy, Andre Carter really rose to the occasion with a couple big plays there. Sure enough, I mean, he was a one-man wrecking crew there toward the end. Gets the ball back to, to Army and just the offense fizzles. They can't do it, uh, you know, game over. I thought it was a, just a really disappointing way to finish it. But, you know, we thought, you know, most of the season, the way it played out, Air Force was the more complete team. I think you said it. I think Steve said it uh, in the last couple of weeks. It just, you know, in looking at, at this game, they were, they were just kind of the better overall team. And, and I think that we were all in agreement on that. But to hold them to 13 points, your defense, you did a pretty good job against a really good offense. Um, you just, you're, I mean, it goes back to what you started with. Jamel Jones, it was the Jamel Jones show. I mean, the fact that you can't get more than, you know, 78 yards rushing, I mean, uh, you know, what in the football game in terms of turtle, total offense, 145, that's not going to win many games, even a low-scoring service academy might, uh, game might. Yeah, and for me, the inflection point of this game was the first, uh, the first Army drive of the second half. Army yeah. stops. Army Army gets that interception late in the first half. Stalls Air Force. They take a seven-three lead into halftime. Like I said, Air Force kind of looked like they were sleepwalking a little bit the first half. Army gets the ball, knowing they're getting the ball first in the second half. They come out and they go three and out, minus four yards. Jamel Jones loses five yards on the first run. Uh, gains one yard on the next run, then incomplete pass. Army had a chance there to establish their game, get some momentum going, and potentially even score some points and put Air Force way behind. You know, Army can stop Air Force's passing attack if they put them in a situation where they mm-hmm. have to throw, but they never got them there. Air Force always controlled the tempo. Air Force was always the one dictating the plays. So it's for me, uh, being there just felt like when they went backwards on that first drive of the second half, not really able to make any halftime adjustments and get the offense going. And quite frankly, I really expected to see Tyra Tyler come out on, on the first drive of the third quarter. Didn't happen. They lost four yards through and out. The rest of the, you know, Air Force scores their touchdown on the next drive. And from there on, you know, Air Force's defense just clamped up Army and Army couldn't do anything in the second half. Air Force 13, Army 7, Air Force now 6-3 and three overall. The Black Knights drop to 3-5. and five. Uh, The Air Force Falcons become bowl eligible for the 13th time in 16 seasons under 
Coach Troy Calhoun, as I mentioned, Brad Roberts with 33 carries, 125 or 35 yards in the game. Now his seventh 100-yard game this season, second most in school history. Real quick, Mike, did you? I mean, you've been to this. You went to this game two years in a row. Do you like the neutral site? I hadn't been. I mean, it looked like. It looked like the sight lines, unless you're on that one side, or that be the third base side, the third base line, if you're looking at it in terms of baseball, that was easily the best seat. But it looked like if you were on that far side of the field, it was kind of a crappy viewpoint from there. But well, what do you think, the overall totality, uh, you know, the neutral site, do you like it? Do you want to go back to campuses? Just overall experience here in Arlington. Yeah, you know, so first of all, you know, I, I'm a football purist, so I'm not a big fan of football games in baseball stadiums. Mm-hmm. I thought the sight lines were fine. It's a nice stadium, brand new stadium. It's two years old. Uh, you, you got that whole, like you were talking about on the visitor side, you have displays because Lockheed Martin sponsors the yeah. game. That's where they're getting their money. So you have a lot of displays. So you're, you're a little bit back from the action, but the sight lines are fine. The stadium's nice. It's always good for Service Academy people to get to Dallas because, yeah. you know, one of the unique things about service. Academies is their alumni base isn't geographically located with the school, uh, particularly uh, you know, well, well, for all three of them. But there's not a lot of Army graduates that live anywhere close to Army because there's yep. not a lot of people that live close to West Point. Uh, you know, not, not a lot of Army people retire in New York City. Same yep. thing with Annapolis. And, uh, you know, Annapolis is a little bit different because they're so close to Washington, D.C. A lot of people uh, retire, a lot of military people retire in the, in the, uh, DMV area, Colorado Springs, same thing. Not, not a lot of, uh, retiring in Colorado for military people. So it's good to get uh, a place like Dallas for a lot of the fans that don't get to see the normal games. A lot of people uh, fly in there, kind of got to do several class reunions for the last two years just because of some COVID stuff. The stadium, I'm fine with it. You know, mm-hmm. the other option is you go next door to Jerry's world and you only fill it. 25 percent full and that, yeah. that doesn't look on, that doesn't look good on tv the yeah. weather in dallas was bad this week so a lot of people had to cancel their plans anyway so the baseball stadium was probably only at about if i had to guess i'd say 60 65 70 percent full okay um which is fine i, I i'm look i i'm not i'm not local to the west point area so i'm mm-hmm. you know i'm fine with the neutral site games because it yeah it allows me to get to more games a year um but 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 you know, I, I understand those that want it back to the campuses. The but that's not going to happen anytime soon because Air Force is the home team next year. Their stadium's under renovation, so that's going to be in Denver. Mikey Stadium is going to be under renovation in 2024, yep. so that game's probably not going to be at West Point either. That's you know, I think I think the discussion I heard was maybe Yankee Stadium in 2024. So we'll see there. Um, so. If you don't like it at the campuses, I got yeah. bad news for it. It ain't going to come back to the campuses for probably uh, three years, probably 2025 in, in Colorado Springs. Good. Congratulations to Air Force once again on the win. Let's move ahead to uh, Navy and Cincinnati. Uh, midshipmen heading to uh, the Queen City there in Cincinnati. Bearcats uh, bounce back from a 25-21 to loss on the road to UCF the week before. Uh, Navy had dropped three of its last four, and Nate in Cincinnati gets a 20-10 to win over the midshipmen. Cincinnati now has won 31 straight at Nippert Stadium. Uh, again, 20-10. to Cincinnati now 7-2 and overall, 4-1 in the American. Navy dropping to 3-6 and now, 3-4 and in the American. And you know, Navy hung around in this game, Mike. Uh, you know, they just kind of hung. I mean, they just kind of hung around. Um, you know, they got a couple stops on third down, especially in the first half. Um, you know, four offensive drives that end up inside the Cincinnati thirty-yard line in the football game. They only come away with ten points. You go on the road against a really good Cincinnati team, obviously one that played in the college football playoff last year and is putting together a, another really. Uh, really good season this year you can't put the leave those kind of points on the field navy splits time at quarterback with xavier arline and masai uh, mayner you know they kind of went half and half uh, the rest of the way in the second half uh you know for navy uh but it just it was just too little too late you inability to throw the football you're that one-dimensional you're not going to beat a team like cincinnati much less any team that's a quality you know uh power five or group of five opponent 
For, for sure. And if you're Navy, what hurts about this is you played a pretty good, you you, you played a pretty clean game. Mm-hmm. One penalty, no turnovers. You were able to manage 176 yards rushing and, you know, 84 yards passing against a pretty good team, two and two on fourth downs. You know, Cincinnati was in the CFP last year. So, so you, you played a pretty clean game. You played a pretty strong game, but it doesn't matter because you didn't take care of your business in the early part of the season. You yeah. take care of your business against Delaware. You take care of your business against Memphis. You come into this game five and three. You still look pretty good against a CFP team. You go to five and four, and you still got a little bit of a chance to get to a bowl. But because you didn't take care of business early in the season, and because your offense just can't get going, particularly when they need to uh, inside the inside the red zone or or in, in clutch moments, you, right. you're just it, it, it's all for naught. Even if you do play a good game because you didn't take care of your business earlier, it's just a little, it, it adds to the <laughs> frustration. I mean, if you're going to be three and six, you might as well be three and six instead of. Yeah. You know, three and six bordering on five and five and four. You know what I'm saying? Right. You know, and, and one thing that, I mean, stop me if, if you've heard this and we've seen this movie before, but, you know, Navy's rush defense, you know, they're, they've been really stout at stopping the run this season. They did it again on, on Saturday. They hold the Bearcats to 55 yards total rushing on the ground, but they can't get off the field. You know, they can't get any kind of a pass rush and, you know, when you've got these bigger, so much bigger, faster, stronger wide receivers that are going up against, you know, an undersize and let's just say uh, mediocre secondary, I mean, you're going to have what's happened to Navy all year. You just get literally picked apart by a quarterback can throw the ball. And this isn't Tibble's quarterback, a freshman quarterback. You know, I know Warner's going to have, you know, probably a good career when it's all said and done, depending on if he stays here or if he goes somewhere else. But, you know, Ben, ben Bryant's arm. 25 of 35, 299 yards, doesn't have a single interception. He throws two touchdown passes. You know, it's it's just been that it's just been that way all year. Navy's pass defense, they can't get off the field on third down. They give up huge chunks of yardage. Uh, it's been a problem uh, all season long, and it's I, I don't think there's any way at this point when we're at this point in the season, especially with a Notre Dame team that they're getting ready to play in a neutral field. Uh, I don't see this problem going away anytime soon. No, no, for sure. And, and you, you described it perfectly picked apart. If you look at Brian's stats, he had only averaged 12 yards per completion. That's fairly low uh, for a quarterback. You know, in, it's, it's, it's not really a West Coast system, but it's using that West Coast philosophy against a, a Navy defense. It really kind of sails out to stop the run. You just use that short vertical, uh, that, that short intermediate passing game, throw it out to the tight end, throw it out to the running back, let them get six, eight yards of completion, maybe 12 yards on a receiver slant. Uh, you know, Bryant wasn't taking the top off the Navy defense. He didn't have to. Yeah. He was using that short intermediate passing game as basically an extension of the run game because Navy was selling out on the interior. Uh, so, again, it was just that, that your Navy's defense has to be able to stop both the run and the pass or teams are going to continue to do that. Dinkin and Duncan, kind of that West Coast philosophy, using the short intermediate passing game just to to get first down after first down after first down. It's really the passing version of a triple option offense. Yeah. Uh, One bright spot, I guess, for the midshipman linebacker, John Marshall, another outstanding game on defense, a senior linebacker with 10 tackles, uh, team high, had five solo stops, a sack and three TFLs, and then another pass breakup, just another outstanding game for the senior linebacker, John Marshall. It's everything you need to know about Service Academy football. Yards and Stripes continues. Here once again are Price, Steve, and Mike. All right, let's give out some game balls. Before we do that, let me tell you about our friends at BetUS. You know you need a sports book with integrity and longevity that you can rely on. And guys, ladies, folks, that's BetUS. Did you know that BetUS has been pioneers in the sports book industry for more than 25 years? We want you to go with BetUS.com and take advantage of an offer we have with our shows from the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. You'll receive a 125% sign-up bonus by using our code COAST22. That's COAST22. Here's how it works. You put in 100 bucks, you get an additional 125 to play with. 
200 bucks initially deposited, that's going to get you 250 and so on. That U.S. has the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, as well as almost any sport you can think of or wager on. Regardless of the sport, we want you to be with us at BetUS.com. Check them out at BetUS.com. And remember, our 125% match bonus with initial signups with our code COAST22. BetUS, you bet you win. You get paid, Michael. Let's give out some game balls. Michael, why don't you fire away first, my friend? Yeah, my game ball is going to Air Force quarterback Hazik Daniels. Not, like I said earlier, not the best stat line he's ever had. 6-13, 98 yards. You mentioned a couple drops. He did have an interception. Uh, and 14 carries, 89 yards. He did have the touchdown. But he was clutch when Air Force needed it. Had two third-down conversions on the ground in the third quarter. Also had the rushing touchdown. And when they went to the air in the second half, I'm sorry, I said second quarter, second half. When they went to the air in the second half, he was much better passing than in the first half. So not not necessarily the numbers, the big numbers that he has had previously, but he was clutch and he was absolutely the key for Air Force winning the Commanders in Chiefs trophy against the uh, Army uh, on Saturday. All right, I'm going to go with a junior uh, defensive back Michael Mack, the second from the Air Force Academy, tied for a team high six tackles. Four of them were solo, had a tackle and a half for a loss. You know, but the big thing was what that uh, what that defense did, Mike, in the second half, pitching a second half shutout, holding uh, Army to less than 80 yards rushing, ten, ten yards total in the second half. Ten yards total in the second half as you flagged me down to let me know just an outstanding effort by the air force defense i didn't want anybody to i didn't want to i figured we had to go a game ball on that side of the football because when you can pitch a shutout only give up seven points especially in a cic trophy game that uh that warrants some recognition um i know steve isn't here should we give one out in in, in on behalf of steve should we should we not put words in his mouth should, what should we do uh, hey, I'm all in favor of giving out as many game balls as we can. <laughs> Let's do it. What do you think, um, Brad Roberts, Michael? 33 I, carries, 135. I mean, he's, again, the work, he's the engine in the middle. I know you mentioned Daniels made all the big plays that he needed to, but, I mean, he's Daniels just continue. He's, he's that core to that Air Force offense, uh, that engine. Sure. Steve would look to Navy first, but I don't think he would find a game ball uh, in, on the Navy game. So, yeah, he, he would go. I'm I'm confident he would go with Brad Roberts. Just a, just a pounding, uh, consistent rushing attack and just wore the Army defense down. And Air Force didn't score a lot of points. Like I said, they left some points on the field, but Brad Roberts just consistently moving the chains, consistently getting three, four yards, just kind of wore down and it was really as much of a mental effect as it was a physical effect uh, from the air force be back. All right. We got more to come here on this episode of yards and stripes. We got our Travis Manion foundation honor roll segment coming up next. We got some, uh, a few news and notes to pass along. And then obviously we got some games to look at because we got three games this weekend. And also, don't forget this weekend or this Friday, I should say, is Veterans Day. Now we uh, we always want to pause and remember our veterans, no matter what day it is. We try and do that every single episode here on Yards and Stripes. Uh, but also, we will talk about that here before we wrap up shop here on Yards and Stripes, your home for Service Academy football. And as I told you before, we are part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. Just search Yards and Stripes. When you go to the Apple Podcast app, or if you're an Android user, go to Spotify. You can listen to any of our college football podcasts, including us in Yards and Stripes, right there on the Spotify app if you're an Android user. But when we come back, we've got our Travis Manion Foundation Honor Roll segment where we honor and remember a fallen hero. That's coming up next here in Yards and Stripes. In 2007, Marine First Lieutenant Travis Mannion was killed in Iraq after saving his wounded teammates. Travis's legacy lives on through the words he spoke before his final deployment, If not me, then who? Words that today fuel the spirit of Travis Mannion Foundation. And through TMF, these words can live in you too. Show the world what you're made of, because character is invisible until it's not. Find out how you can strengthen the character of your community alongside empowered veterans, families of the fallen, and inspired civilians at travismanion.org. As we continue on in this episode of Yards and Stripes, it is time for our Travis Manion Foundation Honor Roll segment, where we honor and remember a fallen hero, one that has given the ultimate sacrifice. 
With Veterans Day ahead this Friday, November the 11th, we will stand and pause as a nation to remember those that have given the ultimate sacrifice as well as those who are serving here at home and abroad. But every single episode, you know, here on Yards and Stripes, that we take a step back with the Travis Manion Foundation honor roll to remember a fallen hero. And this week, we will remember and honor Army Sergeant Steve Morin, Jr. Sergeant Morin gave the ultimate sacrifice on September the 28th, 2005, when the vehicle he was in hit an IED near Umm Qasr, Iraq, while serving as part of Operation Iraqi Freedom. From Arlington, Texas, he was assigned to the 111th Engineer Battalion, 36th Infantry Division, as part of the Texas Army National Guard, based out of Mineral Wells, Texas. Born on August the 12th, 1971, Sergeant Morin joined the Navy when he was 17 years old after graduating high school in his hometown of Brownfield, Texas. By 34, he had devoted 14 years to the Navy, served in the National Guard for another two, and planned to attend Officer Candidate School. He went on to earn a degree in economics and another in finance with honors. And he met his wife, Gwendolyn, while they were both attending classes at Texas Tech University. They met while working for a photo company, and he was dressed as Santa Claus, and she was dressed as an elf. Gwendolyn said of her late husband, quote, He's very strong-willed, very determined, humorous as a clown, but he was also very disciplined and very passionate about what he believed in. He, was, he always wanted to serve his country. He always stood up for what he thought was right. He was a fighter. He would never give up, end quote. In addition to his wife, Gwendolyn, he is survived by his son, Esteban, and his daughter, Brianna, his parents, Steve and Audrey Moore in a Brownfield, Texas, as well as a sister and a brother. And the Travis Manning Foundation honored Army Sergeant Steve Moore, Jr. through the Character Does Matter program presented at the Naval Academy Summer Seminar and UNS, USNA's Summer STEM Camp for Rising 11th Graders. And with Veterans Day coming up this Friday, as I mentioned before, you can honor a hero by empowering them to unite others through service with our friends at the Travis Manion Foundation. Give today and your donation will be matched up to $25,000 thanks to a generous contribution from the Pronio family. Because of so many Americans stepping up to give our nation's heroes, receive support from TMF to lead service projects in their local communities, step up as mentors to youth, and access personal development resources that help them lead and so serve others more effectively. To give an honor a hero today with a matching gift, just go to travismanion.org and click the link at the very top of the page. Yards and Stripes is proud to support TMF and the incredible work of, the, of service they are doing in communities across the country. Again, go to travismanion.org today to give, and your donation will be matched up to $25,000. Travis Manion Foundation's 9-11 Heroes Run 5K Race Series unites communities across the country and around the world to honor the sacrifices of September 11th and the war since. Join your community this September and register to run, walk, or rock by visiting 911heroesrun.org. The latest with Navy, Army, and Air Force on Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football. All right, welcome back here on Yards and Stripes, Episode 11. Appreciate our friends at the Travis Manion Foundation, especially ahead of Veterans Day. If you want to get involved with them, uh, you can do that. Just go to travismanion.org. As I mentioned, that matching donation going on uh, all through this week and this weekend, so take advantage of that Go to travismanion.org. We'll talk about Veterans Day here in a minute. So I want to thank my guy, Mike Lovall and Steve Carney, who's not with us tonight or this week, but he'll be back next week. A um, couple of news and notes just to pass along real quick. Air Force's game against Colorado State on November the 19th announced today. That will be a 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time kickoff on FS2 on Fox Sports 2. 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, 9 p.m. on the East Air Force in Colorado State on November the 19th. Also late last week, Air Force senior offensive guard Isaac Cochran named one of 81 players uh, nominated for the Burlesworth Trophy. It's given to the most outstanding football player in the country who began his career as a walk-on and shown outstanding performance on the field. Each nominee must have begun his first season of participation with the FBS football program without any financial aid 
of its kind from the university's athletic department. Of course, we know Air Force is non-scholarship, but Cochran recruited himself to the program. He anchors that offensive line, which has paved the way to the for the Falcons to lead the nation in rushing. He was a Sporting News midseason All-American and a preseason first-team All-Mountain West selection. So uh, congratulations to Isaac Cochran nominated for the Burlesworth Trophy, given to the most outstanding player who began their career as a walk-on, Mike. All right. Yeah, if, if, if any of our listeners don't know the, the Burlesworth story, uh, not really service academy related, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, he was an offensive lineman at Arkansas. Uh, just, just a, if you're a football fan, I mean, you just got to know that story. Just a great story. Yep. Um, comes out and then gets drafted, and then I think dies the next day in a car accident, the day after the draft, Steve, or, or I'm, I'm sorry, yep. Price, or maybe three days after. But just a tragic, tragic story. Just a great kid. Uh, you know, it, it was basically you know Rudy, except in Arkansas and on the offensive line, and uh, and, and far more successful. Uh, than Rudy was in his career, but just a great story. So if you don't know the Bulls World story and you like football, please go check it out. 100%. All right, Mike, uh, first game that we're going to talk about, looking ahead to this week and all three teams in action, Navy 3-6. and six. They're going to be taking on number 20, Notre Dame 6-3 and three overall. This one's going to be a Saturday 12 noon kickoff, Eastern Standard Time. That one's going to be at M&T Bank Stadium in Baltimore, on ABC, the last I've seen, Notre Dame giving 17 points, the over-under 42.5, meeting for the 95th time on the gridiron. Irish, The Irish lead the series, 80 wins, 13 losses in one tie. They've won four in a row. Now, these two schools played 93 consecutive times, the longest intersectional rivalry in college football until, obviously, COVID derailed that streak in 2020. But they will be meeting once again on Saturday at M&T Bank Stadium uh, there in Baltimore where the Baltimore Ravens make their home. You know, I watched a good bit of Notre Dame on Saturday night, uh, really bludgeoned Clemson. They beat Clemson in every facet of the football game, uh, offense, defense, special teams. They're the clearly the better team. But might this be a little bit better of a matchup possibly for Navy because, you know, they've struggled a little bit to throw the football. They've got one of the two best tight ends in the country, Michael Mayer. Um, you know, they went to with the wind and everything. They basically went to a ground and pound, two backs, you know, two-headed monster. They go for over 100 yards each. I mean, it's not the kind of uh, offense that they see every single week in the American where teams are slicing and dicing it all over the field, you know, th- with the quarterback throwing the football. I throw that out there, Mike, to say, does this give Navy any shot and chance to hang with the Irish? No. <laughs> uh, uh, Notre, don't look now, but Notre Dame, after that inexplicable loss to Stanford, uh, is really rolling. Uh, beat a UNLV, UNLV team that had no business playing with them. Uh, really dominated Syracuse two weeks ago. Like you said, dominated Clemson. Marcus Freeman, uh, after a big opening or after a big opening statement in the loss against Ohio State, couple of inexplicable losses, but it looks like Marcus Freeman's got that program yep. where he wanted them to be. I'm a big fan of Marcus Freeman. I think he's going to be successful at Notre Dame. Uh, I, I really think that you know I, I know Notre Dame has put up more running numbers and they have passing numbers right now, uh, but I really think they'll leverage that tight end. Uh, Drew Pine is a, is a good quarterback. I think this actually plays into his hand mm-hmm. using the short intermediate passing game, just like what I talked about earlier, what Cincinnati did last week. Marcus Freeman, his offensive staff will see that. They will draw that game plan. Uh, they'll continue to pound the rock. If they don't find success, look for them to use a lot of screens, a lot of uh, uh, throws out to the flat with the running back, and really – uh, really use Mayer much like Kansas City uses Kelsey in the pro level, uh, just kind of going in, going out, uh, hooks uh, all over the middle of the infield. Oh, I'm sorry, all over the middle uh, of the field uh, to just kind of keep those chains moving on four, five, six, seven, eight yard passes. Uh, you, you did spend all Saturday at a at a baseball stadium, Mike. So we we can certainly forgive you on the <laughs> on the infield. I'm, I'm just giving you a hard time because I would have done the same thing after I was spending all day at the Texas Ranger Stadium on on Saturday. Navy had Navy has defeated four uh, Notre Dame teams that were ranked in the top 25. 1936, 
1944, 1957, and then 2009. But as you mentioned, Notre Dame, one of the hottest teams in the country, uh, having won, what, three straight, six of their last seven, manhandling Clemson. And they have won 16 consecutive games in the month of November, which is the longest active streak in FBS. So this one, again, a noon kickoff, Eastern 12 Eastern time from M&T Bank Stadium in Baltimore on ABC. All right, moving down the line, Mike, the Air Force Falcons, they're going to return home to Falcon Stadium uh, after being in Texas and after having the week off the week before. They're going to be hosting uh, the New Mexico Lobos. The Lobos coming in at 2-7 and seven overall, 0-5 in the Mountain West. Of course, Air Force 6-3 and three overall, 2-3 and three in the Mountain West Conference. They get bowl eligible last weekend at 330 p.m. Eastern Standard Time kickoff from Falcon Stadium on the CBS Sports Network. The Falcons giving 24 over under 38, the last I saw earlier today. I don't know how this one's close, but you never know. The Lobos have lost six straight during that losing streak. They're getting beat by an average score of 30 to 10. What do you think about this one, Mike, in a series that Air Force leads 25 to 14 overall, including 20 and 12 in home games against the uh, the, the New Mexico Lobos? Yeah, 24 points is uh, pre- pretty big for a service academy team in a conference game. Uh, the, the problem if you're in New Mexico is they have a really bad combination of things going on. They have an offense that can't move the ball and a defense that has trouble stopping people. Usually when you have those two things in combination, you're not very good. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm with you. I think it's hard to, to see how this is close. Having said that, Air Force has scored uh, 19 or fewer points in three of their last five games. Um, but I, yeah, 24 is a big number. I think that will get bedded down maybe a little bit just because of that's kind of the way it goes in Vegas. But I, I don't – unless Air Force completely comes out uh, CIC hungover, <laughs> I, just don't, I just don't see how this stays close. Which is possible, you know, coming off of, you know, that kind of win and winning the first, you know uh, – you know, CIC trophy outright since 2016. I, I could see maybe having a, a little bit of a rusty first half, you know, maybe, maybe before the coaches light into them, you know, at halftime. But, you know, New Mexico is just not a very good football team, Mike. You know, they've lost six straight, but their two wins came in the first three weeks of the season when they started two and one overall. They beat Maine, you know, 41 to nothing. They beat a UTEP, who's not very good, 27 to 10. It's been all downhill from there. Air Force uh, knocked off New Mexico last year in Albuquerque handily. Uh, 38 to 10. That was their fourth straight win in the series. They only gave up one first down in the second half and only 46 total yards to the Lobos there in the second half in Albuquerque last year. Uh, you know, they just struggled to move the football. And I just think with the stout, that stout defense, especially what Air Force is coming off and holding Army to seven and just only giving up 78 rushing yards in that game, I think uh, the Lobos are going to have an awfully hard time moving the football and finding the end zone on Saturday, Mike. Yeah, I agree. I think the value lies at about 21. That's where I think the value for, for our friends who like to invest in sports, I think really the value is at 21. All right. Final game of the weekend, also a 3.30 p.m. kickoff Eastern Standard Time on Saturday. Army hitting the road and heading to Alabama. They're going to be facing a Troy 7-2 and two overall. Uh, this one going to be a 3.30 kickoff again from Veterans Memorial Stadium in Troy on the NFL Network. Uh, last I've seen earlier today, Troy giving nine points, the over-under 45-and-a-half. This is a really good Troy football team, Mike. Yeah, this this is for me. This is the game I'm most interested in seeing, and not just because I'm I'm the Army guy, but <laughs> but on the podcast. But I, I think there's I think there's opportunity to be had for Army. Uh, I, there's no such thing as being a bad seven and two team. But if you look at Troy's seven wins, particularly uh, the last few, they they you know they have they've only won uh, by more than seven on one of their last five mm-hmm. games. Western Kentucky's not really good this year. They squeaked out of that game. Texas State's not a good team. They beat Texas State by three. South Alabama is not a particularly good team. They won that game 10-6. And Louisiana, you know, the post-Napier area, I mean, they're they're average. They're right mediocre uh, in that conference, and they only won that game 23-17. So, so if I'm Army, I'm looking past that 7-2. and two. I'm looking at the film on Troy. 
uh, and I'm looking kind of at the stats. Uh, you know, Troy's a good team. Let, let, let me just be clear. I'm not mm-hmm. saying they're I'm not saying they're a two and seventeen masquerading yep. at seven and two, but let's not. Uh, you know, I, I don't think this is an insurmountable task. I think if Army, uh, you know, they've got to win out if they want to make a bowl, and the, the you know the last stand of the 2022 Black Knights begins down in Alabama. Uh, I, I think they can move uh, against this Troy defense, and I think they can have some success against an offense that hasn't put up a lot of big numbers. I really think this comes down to where Army is mentally in that program. Are they ready to fight for a bowl, or are they going to continue just to kind of run it up the middle and just you know see if they can get that going? Uh, you, know, the, you know, I think a lot of injuries have impacted the mental state of the team. So I really think this is really most dependent on where Army's head is at as a program in this game. I, I think there's opportunity to be had against Troy down there in Alabama. Troy right now leading the West in the Sun Belt at five and one, just a half game ahead of South Alabama. So kind of a an interesting at late out of conference, um, you know, non conference, you know, game, you know, for Troy, uh, John Summerall's team, uh, gonna face kind of taking a breath out of the Sun out of the Fun Belt, I should say. Uh, always a fun league to uh, to watch, but right now they're getting the job done in that divi- in that uh, side of the division. What do you think? Do you think we might see any change at quarterback uh, for the Black Knights? Do you think you could see Ty here, Tyler? Because you mentioned earlier, I kind of thought we might see a little bit more of him in the second half when that offense couldn't get going. We didn't. Might we see it on Saturday? Yeah, he took two steps, two snaps on Saturday. Je- Jeff Munkin has been consistent all season. He said he'll he'll let the quarterbacks compete during the week and play who he thinks has the hottest hand or gives the team the best chance to win. So I I don't have the answer is if if the question is could we see Tyler Tyler the answer is yes. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we could see one quarterback go the whole game. We could see three quarterbacks split all the snaps. You, you, for this season, you just never know. Uh, what Munkin's going to do with the quarterback room? I, 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 I gotta, you know, I gotta think based on two years, three years of evidence. I gotta think Tyler Tyler gets a few, gets more than two snaps, and quite frankly, I think probably Cade Ballard gets some snaps too. I actually anticipate seeing all three on Saturday, uh, but it's going to depend on what happens after the first drive. If he if he puts one, if he starts one of those quarterbacks and they score a touchdown on that first drive, that quarterback's not coming out yeah. until they do a three and out. It's just not going. He's going to play whoever he thinks has the hot hand. I just don't know who he's going to start. Could be any of the three of them. To me, that's going to be something interesting to watch is to see you know who comes out, maybe takes uh, those first snaps under center, and then what happens after that first drive. Do you stick with them or do you try uh, one of the other guys? Because you know you got you know easily three you know, you know capable hands that you've got with uh, Tyler, Ballard, and Jones. Again, Army and Troy. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Mike. No, no, no. I, I think your point about where this lies in the schedule is really interesting. When you play, when when you're a when you're an out of conference opponent, or you're in a conference, and you play Army or Navy or Air Force out of conference, you like to, particularly if you're a P5 team, you like to do that early in the season because you can practice that against that triple option in fall camp. I, I guarantee you, Troy did not do any triple option defense packages in fall camp. It was just too far down the schedule. They played interconference last week. They have a big interconference game against UL Monroe next week. You just have to wonder with the conference or I'm sorry, with the division title on the line the next week, how much effort is Troy's coaching staff going to put into game planning against a completely different offense than UL Monroe runs. I think that's another thing that goes in army's favor. Mm -hmm. I, I, I really think the last stand of the black Knights starts on Saturday at Troy. Especially too, because I believe John Summerall wasn't he in this his first year at the helm uh, down in Troy. Uh, I, I believe it is who, uh, who they lost their coach last year. He took another job, right? Yeah, I believe this is Summerall because he came from Kentucky. He was a, a position right. coach at UK and was hired. I'm pretty sure that this is his first year. So, you know, a first-year coach that came in, you know, trying to get caught up and trying to get prepared. I bet you didn't see a whole lot of Army stuff even in the spring as you're trying to, you know, put in a lot of your systems, you know, and your, uh, you know, get your program up to where you want it. All right. Go ahead, Mike. You no, know, I uh, was Troy the one that lost the coach for 
discipline that Troy had some issues on the off season, didn't they? With some yeah. disciplinary issues for, for their head coach. Am I, am I misremembering that? Or was that an assistant? That was an assistant. I think it was an yeah. assistant. Yeah. That was an assistant. The player that had left that, that was that issue. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What, uh, once again, army and Troy three thirty from veterans Memorial stadium in Troy NFL network is where you can watch that one, Mike. It was uh, Neil Brown. Neil Brown left Troy to take West Virginia. Is that is that correct? He, he did, but there was That's a coach in between Neil Brown and John Sumrall, and I can't remember who it was off okay. the top of my head. But, yes, I, I watched Neil Brown's – a couple uh, Neil Brown's teams. I remember Neil Brown as a student, as a walk-on at UK back in the day. Really? But I, I do. I do. Uh, from Paris County – or from Paris, Kentucky, played at Bourbon County High School. Little factoid for you, Mike. I got to say thank you, not for helping me. Uh, you know, you know, obviously hearing carrying all the buckets of water for Steve tonight. You know, helping me co-host uh, this week's episode of Yards and Stripes. You know, Veterans Day is is Friday, and you know, I always try and you know tell those you know around me, and even when I see somebody in uniform, thanks for serving. But I, you know, want to say to you, I want to say to Steve, I want to say to you know all the veterans who listen to us each week, you know. All those who you know are serving, or might have a family member uh, who is serving, uh, but to, but also to you and and Steve, want to say thanks ahead of Veterans Day on on Friday. Obviously, November the eleventh is federal holiday as it should be. Uh, to time to take the time to to pause and remember uh, those veterans who have given the ultimate sacrifice, but those who continue to put themselves in harm's way every day, Mike. Well, thanks. I appreciate it, and because I'm the guy that can't let anything go, Chip Lindsey. <laughs> There you go. Chip, I, I knew you were working on something back there. I could see those eyes. I could see something working back there. But more importantly, I, I appreciate the sentiment and uh, certainly for Steve as well. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, really appreciate you guys all season uh, doing this. We, we continue to work like a well-oiled machine as we get a little bit better, smoother, uh, and everything that comes at you every single week. So, but I, I just appreciate you guys for doing this with me. But most of all, more importantly, your service, because uh, you know, as we all know, our freedom is not free. It's folks like uh, you, Steve, and many, many others serving here at home and around the country who uh, put themselves in harm's way every single day. But Mike, appreciate it uh, this week. Always appreciate your knowledge. And man, we, we were just us. Uh, just a little off here when we didn't have our man, uh, Mr. Carney, cracking a joke here, too. I, 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 you know, the uh, Mike Love All humor is a different humor, and I love it. It, it, it is. It's probably – I've been told it's an acquired taste. <laughs> well, it's a taste that I enjoy, but uh, we're going to taste a lot more football this weekend as Army, Navy, and Air Force all back in action as we barrel toward the end of the twenty. 20- 22 season we got a lot more football ahead we got a lot more yards and stripes ahead uh this college football season appreciate everybody listening again we're part of the college gridiron coast to coast podcast network search us on apple Podcasts or spotify wherever you get your podcasts and until then we will see you next week join us again next time for yards and stripes service academy football to get more on all things Service Academy football, like Yards and Stripes on Facebook and follow them on Twitter at Yards and Stripes. And make sure that you're subscribing to the College Gridiron Coast to Coast podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and wherever you get your podcasts.